Welcome to the Rolling Stones Studs, a podcast about the baddest boys of the British invasion, hosted by your bad boys. It's Pete and PJ. How you doing, PJ? How you doing, Pete? I'm good. I didn't answer the oh, question. Okay. I just yeah, no, that's okay. uh, said the same question back to you. I'm doing okay. Good. Just okay. Yeah. Jamming out to that song. It's, uh, you know, on our last show, we picked a song that, while I enjoy, is not necessarily like a great Beach Boys tune. Yeah. But this is a really good Rolling Stones song. It is. It's one of the, it's one one of the, the better ones. Yeah. I wouldn't say better would ones, say. but it is one of the best ones. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you didn't like it very much. Oh, no. This song is phenomenal, dude. Yeah, it is very good. Uh, you know, a little something we talked about, and maybe to illustrate to the listeners how little I actually know about the Rolling Stones, is that I first became familiar with this song from the David Bowie album... Uh, Ziggy Stardust? Or no, 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 no. Aladdin Sane, I think, is yeah. the album where he covers this. And uh, I did not know he was covering the Rolling Stones. I thought they covered him, which I I know the timeline is way off there. Everything is way off. But when you only have a Rolling Stones greatest hits record, you don't really know exactly when all those songs come out. So, You know, and I will say that is why the best, um, like, best of album is The Beatles One, because it does it chronologically. I really, you know, I actually don't know if 40 Licks is in order. Or Now, um, I don't have 40 Licks any longer. I have that yeah. Gur album that came out in like 2012 or something. Okay, yeah. Um, and that one's actually pretty, I think it's almost all in chronological order. It might like mm-hmm. swap a couple years around here and there, but mm. um, Let's yeah, it does really together. bother me when greatest hits are not in, in order. Why wouldn't they be, you know? Like, it just makes sense to do that. I just put on a real radio voice. I don't know what happened there. (laughs) Here's the thing. Greatest Hits albums, if it's a Greatest Hits album where it's, like, their top 12 songs, if it's, like, a single disc, 20th Century Masters kind of album, where it's just purely a, like, get to know this band, I'm fine with it being in any order, starting off with their five most popular songs, no matter when they came out. Right. But if you're doing that double disc retrospective kind of greatest hits, it's got to be gotta chronological. Be yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it it was indeed on Ziggy Stardust, not Aladdin Sane. I don't believe you. Look it up, dude. I That's am. The sound and of Peter I, being wrong. I think it's on Aladdin Sane. I have to say. Let's look Wikipedia. Let's go to covers. David Bowie recorded a glam rock version of the song for his Aladdin Sane album. Released Mm. in 73. Interesting. Interesting. Where are you finding that it's um, maybe do you are you looking at like a deluxe version? Yeah, that's Aladdin Sane. It's his album. I mean, that's the album cover. Ziggy it Stardust, says album Ziggy Stardust the motion picture. Oh, there's a movie. I didn't even know there was a movie of Ziggy Stardust. And the spiders from Mars. Is it one of those rock docs? A rock, a rock and roll doctor. You, you said? know, PJ. When the Rolling Stones weren't feeling well, they probably had a couple rock docs of their own show up to the hotel. Yeah, 
I, you know, <laughs> my favorite kind of physician is yeah, a is a rock and roll doctor. Yeah, you know, people right now, this will really place the podcast in a specific moment in history, but some assholes on the internet are giving Dr. Jill Biden shit for using doctor yeah. as a title uh, when she has a non-medical doctorate, but they really should go after those rock docs because they're using doctor and they're just fucking movies about bands. Yeah. And, and you know what? That to me is the real crime there. Stolen don't valor. Don't even get me started on Dr. Julius Irving. Yeah, that asshole has been getting away far too long. <laughs> exactly. I wonder, I don't know much about old basketball. I wonder how he got that nickname. Because he was the doctor of dunks, baby. Yeah, I, I. that's my guess, is that he was so, like, educated somehow about the game. <laughs> I don't know. He... He was so precise that he was only compared to a... He could only be compared to a surgeon with a basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, it's that kind of precision that gets you a cool nickname. We'll go mm-hmm. back to the, the Basketball Boys podcast. Yeah, We're gonna talk. we could make it that. The basketball's coming back in two days, PJ. I know. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do know. You're following it. Yeah, I'm very I excited. Bet. I assume. Yeah, those nuggets. You're, you know, you're up in Colorado now. I'm in right, foggy old London town. Last. Oh yes, no, I forgot. Yeah. yeah, I forgot where we ended up. Yeah. Oh yeah, because we're both in the in the in foggy you know, cities. You know, the climate-wise, foggy old London town and uh, Colorado pretty much is this, like I could see how you Very get them similar. confused. Yeah. A lot of yeah, a lot of uh, skiing in both places, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Skiing and bad teeth—that's the two main exports of both of those places. So. There's no dentists in Colorado. People don't know. Not a single one. Yeah. Yeah. They run them out because they call them heretics. They do. Hey, speaking of other things that uh, will date this episode, although not maybe quite as badly as... uh, Dr. Jill Biden. As, yeah, our uh, new first first lady, Dr. Jill Biden. But um, I've been listening to a... Have you... Do you... Now, PJ, do you like Christmas music? Now, Peter, I do. I, 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 I would say up and until this year, I let's would broaden say, the scope. Okay. Holiday music, holiday. Thank you. Does not That's have to be Christmas specific. I was going to say I felt attacked, and um, I still feel attacked because you're part of the war on Christmas. But we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, it's you and Starbucks, namely. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I do. So, this is the first year I've had a job where they play a Christmas music. St- uh radio station at work hmm. and they play truly the same nine songs over and over again and so yeah, i christmas like when i tough. get to pick the christmas mm-hmm. music then i'm fine with it or sorry holiday music um otherwise i don't like it very much because i don't yeah. want to hear that fucking hawaiian christmas song 10 times a day <sighs> the elvis version is yeah. fine it, whatever version they're playing like johnny mathis or yeah. something is horrendous <laughs> yeah christmas christmas radio is a weird thing because i realize that it's only on for six weeks at the most yeah. every year but it really does seem like every christmas station could expand its playlist just just the tiniest bit fully yeah <laughs> it's pretty wild that and it's it's not even um it's just like they could at least play different versions of the same song. Like, why do they mm-hmm. only have to play? I don't know the like, one. Yeah, the Ronettes. Um, 
uh, I'll be home for Christmas. No, what's their what's the one that they do? Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Maybe. Yeah. I don't even remember. Whatever. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh it is just it's strange. Um, you know, the, it's the same problem I have with radio stations as a whole, though. Is that I feel like yeah, when when you pick a genre to play, like we're the classic rocks of the '60s through '90s. Um, yeah. and then you'll play the same 20 songs every day. Like, yeah, you have such a wide variety to pick from, but then there are yeah. ones like Jack FM that will play like a song. You're like, yeah, this is a good song. Like bumping Tom Petty or something. And then they'll play like an in sync song and it's like, wow, this is the worst radio station I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. You know, um, I'm, not a particularly old man, but I've been really into Sirius XM lately. <laughs> oh, well, and, uh, <laughs> um, I would take back that first statement then, Peter, because yeah, that yeah. automatically makes you at least 56. Well, my uh, my fiance and I bought a new car this summer, and it came with three free months of Sirius, so we, you know, tested, dipped our toes in. Let me, let me, let me stop you there. Ooh, your okay. fiance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very fancy. Um, dickhead, and that does mean I'm not available, Beach Boys, boys, listeners. So careful. You know, I know you are all trying to He's set me engaged. up with your little sisters, but yeah. Um, that okay. That came off a little creepy. I just assume all of our <laughs> listeners are like 45 year old men. Yeah. So little sisters would be like 40 year old. 40 year old woman. Yeah. yeah. I it did. sounded a lot weirder with that context not spoken out loud. Mm. so uh, anyway serious xm so and i really i actually really really am enjoying serious xm specifically those decades channels right like the 60s on six 70s on seven all that yeah and what's weird about it is that they they have they definitely have a broader scope than most like oldies radio stations yeah. and they play a lot more deep cuts but they will do the same thing that every radio station does where you can tell at the end of the day, like they have this playlist of 200 songs that they will, they want to play every single day, multiple times. But what's weird about them is that they'll just be random, like deep cuts or like one hit wonder songs that no one remembers, but that they have decided we need to play this seven times a day. Yeah. And so it's like, there are weird serious XM specific songs where you're just like this, they love this random 70s hit yeah. so much and can't stop playing it. And I'd never heard it before or outside of Sirius XM. <laughs> but it's, I don't... It's really so, odd. I don't know if that's better than uh, a normal classic rock station just playing Steve Miller Band for probably 12 hours a day. Yeah, It's at least better just because they're songs you haven't heard before, maybe. Yeah. So, like, there are some, you know, some new songs that I hadn't heard that I do really like. Um... And so it's kind of fun that they play them over and over again. But then, like, you can set alerts on Sirius. And once you do that, you realize how often they play certain songs where it'll alert you, like, four times a day. Yeah. Uh, It is. I just want to get back into Steve Miller Band here. Sure. I think either of us could turn on a radio station right now (laughs) and hear Steve Miller Band. That is how, like. Yeah. They aren't. I, I don't know if I like Steve Miller Band or not. I don't think anyone really does. They're just but I don't so hate them. No, right. 
Like, what if what if you got into their music independently from radio? You know, yeah. like if you just like listen to an album without having heard those songs a million times before. Yeah, I mean they're probably fine. They feel like one of those bands. Like maybe a modern example would be a band like, hmm, like a Twenty One Pilots kind of band where it just feels like no one asked for them no one's actually like a out and out fan of them but they like are you're a weirdo yeah but they're like just popular enough that they show up fucking everywhere right and so and like they're one of those bands that like they get a lot of people to show up to their shows but it's all because they picked like a more hip opener if that makes sense (laughs) so Okay, I could see that. That's what Steve Miller Band strikes me as. Like, I I don't feel like I talk to a lot of people of, like, our parents' generation who legitimately love them outside of the hits. But everyone is like, yeah, they're good. But they're just played everywhere, despite the fact that that maybe no one actually cares about them. (laughs) Or Steve Miller Band. That's all right, though. they are bad, though. You know, you gotta have some just pop bands here and there yeah did you know that some people call me the space cowboy yeah oh i've heard that yeah yeah um speaking of i don't know that we were speaking of anything similar uh oh we got way off topic way early but we'll get back to christmas music (laughs) are you familiar with the app by the name of tiktok familiar with yeah okay i'm aware so I have a TikTok. Um, I'm not sure. going to give you the name of it because I don't want people actually looking at it. I'm not on um, TikTok, and I assume it's all those videos where you jump and then you're naked. Yeah, that's fully it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Um, Fair that you don't want to share that necessarily, but disappointing. Yeah. So uh, TikTok has a really crazy algorithm, I guess, where it just knows what you like. And there was a TikTok that popped up while I was scrolling through. And it was this uh, gentleman talking about the Beach Boys album, Love You. And I was oh, like, okay. oh, man, that's crazy. And then yeah. in the comments, um, I was like, hey, you should listen. <laughs> I thought it'd be funny to just plug us and be like, you should listen <laughs> to uh, the, this really cool podcast that talks about like deep cut Beach Boys stuff <laughs> called the Beach Boys Boys. But then, <laughs> Did we not know that we could become TikTok famous this whole time? I know, right? This is like, we didn't even think about it. No. Um, But uh, then the gentleman replied, who made the TikTok, I've heard about that one in passing. Is it in the you talking, talking heads to my talking head? Slash, what's with these homies talking about Weezer genre? Yeah. And I I said, more like, you talking you too to me. And he said, ooh, I'm down. (laughs) Okay, he is down. Also... There's no way that's true, right? No, that he heard about it in passing. No. And, like, it just has to be that he's aware of all of those more famous and, you yeah. know, for good reason, music podcasts, and right. uh, just assumed there would be a Beach Boys one as well. Mm-hmm. And was yeah. like, oh, yes, I, I do, yeah. Um, no, and I was just saying that to be a dickhead, and then he was like, right. oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. Hey, man, maybe he'll show up. That's great. I yeah. love that, you know... Not to bring up old, settled beef. Right. Because uh, it is dead and gone, I would say, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
we really did nail the naming aspect because out yeah. of the three Beach Boys podcasts, we are somehow the only ones that actually ended up putting Beach Boys in our name, right? I believe that is true, yes. Yeah, so... Oh, well, no, that's not true. The other one is called Not yeah, what Another... Is which which actually believe... is pretty decent because isn't there the Beatles podcast that's like fine we're going to talk about the Beatles yeah yeah so it's kind of playing on that same idea in a yeah. way where they could get some accidental googles right but those guys suck so fuck those guys yeah have you checked in on that are they still doing no because remember they up. so this is um we're going to go behind the cast on this one um, I don't remember this but they they <laughs> we're asked gonna go us behind to... even what I know. They asked both us and the members of. Oh, it's the only. Ah, uh, that's right. The only. Which, that will have a wave noise over it, as if you uh, listen to the Beach Boys boys uh, in the past, you will know that that is what it is. Um, they asked us to be on their Christmas episode where they were going to talk about pet towns, mm -hmm. and then um, we messaged and we were like. I think we said, like, fine, or we said something. What did we say? Let me find it. I don't it. remember. I'm, I'm did we cut. say we were we would? I think we said we were down. Um, I got this a lot. This is log... so long ago. I know, dude. Here's what they said. Yeah. Um, so it's come to this. Just kidding. Hello, I'm Adrian, and I co-host. Congrats on your final episode, as bittersweet as it is. We're getting ready to do our own Pet Sounds mega episode and was curious if you guys would like to take part in a short, cold, open sketch. If you're already departed ways and set oh, sail, yeah. no worries. Best, Adrian Anderson. This. And then I said, what's the bit? And they oh, never yeah, right. responded. And they never responded. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Why yeah. would they? I don't know. Maybe he like Because they had stopped by or... that point. Oh, maybe. Yeah, because they Wait, never really? did a Pet Sounds episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. They did stop then. Huh. Oh, you know yeah, what? We yeah, because they stopped in December 2019. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't play the the Beef Boys theme. Oh, that's fine. I oh. think we can. I, I'm fine with the beef being laid to rest. I just purely wanted to catch up out of curiosity. Yeah, we'll call that the the catch up hour. Um, uh, speaking of as well, the catch up hour. Yeah, we need to come up with songs for uh, the Stones here, but. Yeah. That that's a lot of work that I'm not interested in doing. I'll just press shuffle on my iPhone and whatever comes up. Whatever song, not even stone yeah. specific. Um so in terms of Rolling Stones podcasts, mm -hmm. I could only find like two. Interesting. Um there's one called Under the Radar where they only talk about like rare songs and like little known facts about tours and stuff like that which okay. i'm sure is interesting but is not exactly what we're doing do you know what i have to say about that peter yeah what that's what i have to say about that hey man yeah they're still releasing episodes as of december 4th so we can definitely try and get christian and tim's you know uh, attention here yeah. and uh that's it Every other podcast to do with the Rolling Stones that I can find, at least, is uh, 
either had like two episodes a few years ago and never anymore or it's like just old music podcasts where they talk about the rolling stones for a show or two so so that's the one then pretty much that's the only one i could find like maybe i'm a bad googler and there's 17 out there but and it's not even like a like a a retrospective of their no no it's purely a like for fans only here's a look at the nine disc box set they released with unheard you know tracks from the 1967 chess records sessions shit like that fair um for because that does truly sound boring um i mean probably vaguely interesting if you're really into the stones but um we're are we're really going for a more casual demographic here yeah exactly we're uh we're catering to the beach boys Yeah, exactly. The Beach Boys fans who think the stones are uh, too scary. Yeah. Too violent for Brought them. Brought to you by the Beach Boys, boys. <laughs> I'm really bad at this soundboard, dude. <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah. You should know, we ble- people... Should we... You go. I don't care. I don't give a shit. I could put a rock and roll sound effect over their name. <laughs> sure, yeah. A little guitar riff. Yeah, dude. I, uh... Um... You know, people compare the Beatles and the Rolling Stones a lot, but not enough people compare the Beach Boys and the Rolling Stones. And that's really the ground we're breaking here. You know, it's comparing two bands that were not in competition with each other and really didn't give a shit about each other's sound. Right. Um, You know, (laughs) but we're in the same world at vaguely the same time. Both are compared to the Beatles, though, which is funny. Yeah, the Beatles um, are the connective tissue. Yeah. But it honestly is funny to me to <laughs> compare this, the Beach Boys with the Rolling Stones just because their goals are so different. Yeah. I was thinking earlier about how you how at the beginning you called them the baddest boys of the British invasion. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking, what would the what would the Beach Boys have been called? And then I was thinking probably the nerdiest dudes in America. Yeah. The nerdiest guys in rock and roll pre, like, weezer maybe i'm trying to think of other like talking heads pretty nerdy that's true but in a different way like they still could come off edgy um the talking head just because they at least i don't know i guess the beach boys did drugs but even when they were at their druggiest they still just seemed lame um yeah but okay who do you think would win a fight the beach boys or the talking heads Ooh, is denny alive (laughs) Oh, that is a good point. Because I think with Denny, the Beach Boys win, but without Denny, I don't think they win. You think? Well, the Talking Heads also have like sixty people, <laughs> so you have to take that into account. Oh yeah, well, I mean the core four. Let's say the core four, and then the five like OG Beach Boys. I think the Beach Boys win that fight. You know, I think that is a fair. Yeah, I think I think. I mean, they them, are one up. Yeah, that's true. But let's assume Brian doesn't get involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really doubt brian's throwing punches he is like hanging around the edges with his fists up pretending to fight and then when they're yeah. done he's like great job guys we did yeah. it yeah yeah and then al so. is surprisingly scrappy oh yeah al would al immediately just like dives into someone's ball sack and like crushes them yeah and then bites their yeah. ear off even after they're down yeah yeah he, he, yeah so i brought up christmas songs a while ago and yeah. um it was because I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music lately because it's mm-hmm. uh, almost Christmas time. And as a person who celebrates Christmas, I enjoy listening to Christmas music at this uh, time of year. 
that yeah that holds up yeah just to give you background on it you know it's a little bit of a (laughs) but i didn't wait is my microphone still on i mean i definitely heard that burp but it might just be our we're on a video call too so maybe i'm hearing through that and not through your recording i turned down the wrong thing (laughs) pj if it helps i definitely burped on mike during while you were talking a while ago and i'm according to my wave files that are open next to me it uh it picked it up okay yeah good to know okay now i just know that that knob turns me down good to know um so it got to me it got me to thinking though whether the stones have ever released any holiday tunes because a lot of you know a lot of bands do some some bands do a whole album some just do a song or two like like the beats and uh the stones have not yeah short story (laughs) short story uh or long story short I, uh, they didn't, it didn't seem like they would just like, what would that even sound like? And why right. would they bother? But the closest thing is on, um, well, Keith Richards did a solo version of run Rudolph run in yeah, like 1979 that, or something. That makes perfect sense. Honestly. And it's fine. Um, um, it's definitely not as good as the Chuck Berry version. Okay. Well, I'm going to find it and we're going to play it. And then, yeah, it's it's probably worth hearing for a second. It just sounds exactly like the Chuck Berry version, but with old Keith Richards singing, so. Yeah. And then there's an instrumental track. Uh, I have to find it again. I didn't write it down like an idiot. But there's an instrumental track on Satanic Majesty's Request, weirdly. Oh, yeah. There's a hidden instrumental thing that's like 30 seconds long. Um on satanic majesty's request where it's a like uh um speaking of the beach boys it's a whatever that instrument a theremin it's a little theremin theremin version of like a christmas tune but that sounds boring let's hear keith richards sing this song oh that's an ad that's all right hey we don't have ads so we'll just have other ads on our show I've never heard Keith Richards sing. It's not bad. No. My favorite thing is that you called Keith Richards in 1979 old Keith Richards. I mean... He's always kind of been old Keith Technically, yeah, he's always been kind of old, but... It is a little weird, just because now they're all, like, in their late 70s, I think. Yeah. Um, but this book, which we'll get to a little more in a minute, but I'm reading a book about the Rolling Stones that is, it was written recently, but a lot of the reporting from it comes from this guy who interviewed them during their 1994 tour, I think. Um, um, and so there's a lot of interviews from that era as well, where yeah. they were like 50 and people were giving them shit for being old and touring, which is just really funny because I was born in 1994. <laughs> And yeah. uh, and so it's like they were getting shit for being old then, and they're still doing the same thing now. Right. So, I mean, technically, Keith Richards, I mean, he's been an old yeah. man my entire life. That's true. Put yeah. it that way. <laughs> uh, it's good to know that we're such young bucks over here on the beach with the Rolling Stones studs. You know, PJ, the Beach Boys are an old guy band, but yeah. the Rolling Stones, they're for the youth, man. They're, they're a young the man's game, quake, as they yeah. call it. 
so young they had to get their moms to sign their record contract. <laughs> that seems like a real Beach Boys move, honestly. It's so nerdy that they had to get I that mean, fucking guy's mom. The Beach Boys, they did get their dad I mean, was on Murray, their contract, yeah. but more just because he was their uh, manager. Manager, right? yeah. Yeah. So, and that was also because he was a controlling piece of shit, whereas their parents right. were on there, I think, so that. I think in the back of their heads from reading this book a little bit, their parents really just hoped that this worked out so the kids would move the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, I'm going to turn this off now. All right. That's fine. It's nothing special. Yeah. Well, well speaking Peter. of that book, do you want to take a quick break and then we'll come back and get to the, the subject of our podcast, The Rolling Stones? You know, Peter, I do. Okay. All right. Let's do it. We'll see you guys on the other side of that stone that's rolling around. How was that? sort of rss feed am i right i don't get it yeah i don't i just i i read that somewhere all right i don't know what it is but rolling stone stuff though it's been it. okay oh i that that's what i didn't get about it that's clever oh that's wait did very, you really not get it i thought you no. were <laughs> doing the sarcastic you don't get it because it was so lame no i just didn't get it <laughs> oh, okay no that's all right well I'm, welcome I'm, back to the welcome studs. back we're your studs, Pete and PJ. And uh, guess who's which? That's right. It's an audio medium. There's no way to fucking know. You but don't know what we look like. Yeah, I'm Pete, though. I'm Just PJ. to be clear, I'm not PJ. Yeah. I might um, be Peter. You don't know what the P stands for, baby. That's true. What if, PJ, now this would have been a mind fuck, but what if the at the outset of this show... We introduced these ourselves as each other's names, and then people thought that each other, that you had my voice and I had your voice. And then Dude, when we met in person, fuck? they would be like, what, what, man? That'd be so confusing. You know, when dude. we do our live Rolling Stone Studs podcast tour in 2021. Exactly, <laughs> When we meet yeah. all the fans in person, yeah. I say why wait till 2021? Yeah, that's right, true. There's right a lot of venues that, that are open right now, yeah. Yeah, no and no competition. The the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, PJ, let's talk about the Rolling Stones. I'd love to, Peter. So I got this book uh, between our first and second episodes because <laughs> uh, I realized uh, the Wikipedia pages just weren't cutting it for me. I wanted more yeah. stones. I wanted to know the ins and the outs. I wanted to know their thoughts. You- you need feelings. to know about these bad boys of rock and roll. Yeah, I need to know what makes them who they are. The Rolling Stones, man. So I got this um, this piece of shit book called yeah. The Sun, the Moon, and the Rolling Stones <laughs> by uh, Ricky okay. Cohen. That is the worst name for a book I've ever heard. Yeah, well, so first of all, 
it's it was weirdly hard finding a Rolling Stones. I mean, I suppose sort of like finding a book on any really famous person or band. There's so many books. Yeah. And that it's hard to find like what is quote unquote the best one. Absolutely. Um, because whenever any of them are released, there's a million NPR articles interviewing the author being like, this is now the best Rolling Stones book. All those other ones were good, but this is the best one now. And then five years later, there's a new the best definitive. One, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, like I just, I spent a long time in my childhood thinking that this one Beatles book that I read a lot was like the definitive Beatles book. And then at some point in recent years tried looking it up and it's like not agreed upon at all to yeah. be like a very good Beatles book, which was confusing. Cause that was my whole <laughs> base of knowledge as a 12 yeah. year old boy. You know, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. Um, yeah, yeah. I live next door to a, one of the more famous Beatles biographers Ooh, uh, by the name of Jeffrey Giuliano. Okay. He, he sure. has changed the spelling of his name several times, I believe, to avoid the IRS. He gave my mother oh. advice on how to change her last name. That's fun. Yeah. And um, every book he's ever read, uh, he releases an edition, and then the second edition has to say, like, some of these events may not have taken place because he just makes up <laughs> stories. Yeah. Um, and he gave me one of his books because he knew I was a huge Beatles fan when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, he gave me one of his books and like in the first chapter, there's a story about John Lennon um, getting blown by a, a, a prostitute who was a uh, drag queen. And yeah. So he's getting blown, and then at the end of it, he's or the the prostitute is like, "You know I'm a man, don't you?" And then he goes, "I don't care," and then slaps her on the ass, and then they leave or the the prostitute leaves the limo, cool. um, and that apparently just never happened. <laughs> yeah, he. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. So it's just hard to know, and then like even. You know, I try. I tried visiting some some fan forums and stuff where I thought I'd get better info. Mm-hmm. And then, like, went to Amazon to look up one of the uh, the books they all recommended, and it turned out to, like, be half autobiography of the author, who was, like, a, like, touring manager for them for 20 years or something. And then, okay. like, but it was, like, so half of his life with the Stones, and it's like, I don't, that's not what I want. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care about that at all. Anyway, so we're given this one by Ricky Cohen a try, and um, it's fine. He's a... I don't know if he still writes for Rolling Stone at all, but he wrote for Rolling Stone in the 90s at least. And um, will we ever the Rolling Stones on a will 90s we ever tour. go over the confusion of there being a Rolling Stone magazine and a Rolling Stones the band? It made it hard to search for Rolling Stones podcasts. I'll tell you that. A yeah. lot of podcasts <laughs> about Rolling Stone, the podcast. So, hmm. And also confusing too, because uh, the, the, um, history of the magazine i think pretty uh clearly says it's supposed to be the bob dylan song um not ah uh. the band but it's like that's a weird line to draw when i mean i know that that was a really famous song and also the rolling stones were like one of like maybe the second most famous band in the world at that point so you're like right yeah just Why not just name it something fucking different? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically. And yeah. also, um, speaking of 
rock books. I read the Jan Wenner biography that came out like two years ago or something. Hmm. And in that, he talks a bunch about how like the the phrase Rolling Stone has like a bunch of meaning behind it that has to do with the movement of rock music in general, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah. guess whose reasoning is the exact same for why they named a bandit? All the members um, of the Rolling Stones yeah. <laughs> who are like, the imagery of Rolling Stone really means a lot to us. And you're like, yeah, it's okay, like maybe moss don't everybody. grow on one or nothing, you know, man. Yeah. yeah. That was an actual interview from Keith Richards. <laughs> wow. So um, anyway, so this book is pretty good, but I wanted to go over some stuff that both deepens what we talked about in the first episode and then a couple right. corrections, actually. Excellent. Although at this point I'm not reading too deeply into the Wikipedia pages to see where they're sourcing stuff. So I'm not sure if it's something that is disagreed upon in general or whether the Wikipedia page is just wrong. So mm-hmm. anyway, so first off, we're just going in order of my post-it notes here in the book. Okay. Okay. There's a little story about Mick Jagger and how he got, apparently he got his voice. He didn't always have Mick Jagger's voice. Ah. Um, yeah. When he was a kid, he bit his tongue really badly playing basketball or something like during recess. Cool. Um, and bit his tongue so badly that when it healed back, he like had a weird sound to his voice and especially his singing voice. And that oh. was when he was in, I think, the band he invited Keith into early on. Yeah. And so it like, you know, from one day to then a couple weeks later when his tongue healed up, they were like, oh, shit, now he's got something interesting going on. The question is, do I believe that story at all? No, I do not. (laughs) I mean, it's like any early story from a band like this. It could all be bullshit. Yeah. Um, Or it could be that it happened. And his voice was slightly different afterwards. And then after 50 years of them telling that story, it now became, this is how Mick Jagger got his voice, you know? Right. So, yeah. Anyway, so kind of interesting. The next one is that to expand upon their early name being the Blues Boys, (laughs) this book goes into even more detail, which is that Mick came up with the name and this version or this book says that their full name was not just the blues boys PJ it was little boy blue and the blues boys <laughs> man they might be bigger nerds than the fucking beach boys dude that's yeah. awful yeah I mean it sounded like like he talks about some of the other bands of the time in London these other like jazz and R&B groups yeah and it was definitely in the style of like the other bands in the, in the scene. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that crazy. I mean, sort of like the, the Beatles with the dumb beat pun. Like it was just very of the moment when they had to come up with a name. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the person who he interviews about it, um, is like, I'm pretty sure if we never met Brian Jones, well, first of all, they probably wouldn't have become as famous of a band, but, yeah. Also, he's like, we might have just always been called Little Boy Blue, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which is pretty great. So, um, 
let's see. We're going to get to, there's a lot on Brian Jones in this, which we didn't really talk about any of the band members aside from Mick and Keith last episode. Yeah. Um, and Brian's definitely very important as, you know, mm-hmm. as are the other guys, but, um, we will get a little more into, into Brian Jones. But one other thing that I wanted to get to as kind of a, to expand on what we talked about last episode, the Nanker flange felge thing where they call their, uh, <laughs> the pseudonym for their songs that they write as a band. That's apparently yeah. named after their roommate who is named James Felge, who uh, was a, a shit a re- human being. A real manka. Yeah, they really hated him, it turns out. Like, so they lived yeah. in this shit-ass apartment, Mick and Keith, and maybe Brian as well, I think. Um, right. Like, no heat, barely running water, you know, just really squalid kind of living conditions. And they got a roommate named James Felge, who let's see, um, would walk around naked a lot, would pee on the stairs, would spit (laughs) just like on the floor in the apartment kind of shit. Okay, Um, I am shocked that two of these like original rock and roll dudes like mm -hmm. had a problem with any of that, honestly. I know, yeah. Well, we we can expand on that a little bit in a second, but they yeah so basically it was just an inside joke in the band that this guy was an asshole and they all hated him so it was their like yeah inside joke to name those songs after him kind of in a way which is pretty funny and then um yeah so one thing that this book talks about a lot is that everyone except keith basically came from like pretty well-off families okay and so it was like a little bit of an ironic twist first of all that like the beatles were these poor kids who then uh you know were made in the image of like this uh matching you know high right, class like upper classy class. kind of group yeah. and then the stones were all these middle upper class kids who like purposefully went and got a shit apartment with no heat and you know wanted right. to become like dirty blues singers basically and so um yeah, there's a lot about that as well, which is interesting. And apparently, interesting. Um, which will come up definitely later in the Stones career, but there was some early uh, resentment between Keith and Mick because Mick, until I think until 64, if I'm remembering correctly, he was like going part time to school the whole time mm-hmm. while yeah. they were like signing a record contract and stuff. And Keith didn't like it because he was seeing him as like this rich guy or rich kid who had an option to bail out and Keith was going all in. Um, right. Cause I think he came from a, a less well-off family. So didn't have the options. So, which is kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah. And yeah, we'll come up, you know, the, their, uh, relationship and not getting along will come up throughout their history. So, yep. Um, one other thing before we get to Brian Jones, who we're going to, I want to talk about a good amount here, but one last thing that is just an interesting kind of note about the Rolling Stones, um, as we listen to them is their, their musical stylings, PJ. I would love to hear a little bit about the Stones musical stylings. Yeah. So this came up when they were talking about Charlie Watts's contributions to the band. Yeah. Um, which, um, 
like I feel like a, like a lot of bands did in this era, he was a hardcore jazz guy. Um, and like really didn't want to play for the Rolling Stones, but he was right. the best drummer that they all knew. Probably. So like yeah. they just kept asking him over and over again to play for them. And he's like, I don't yeah. play R and B fuck off. Um, but since he was actually so good, I mean, kind of a Ringo story to some degree where it's like, he yeah. didn't give a shit about the music, but since he was the only good drummer they could find, <laughs> they had to get <laughs> they him. Went with him. Yeah. Uh, so, so being a jazz drummer though, he, kept the jazz stylings of like the drums not being the the main rhythm section basically yeah um and so whereas in jazz it's usually like piano i think or guitar is usually the kind of main like rhythm instrument and then right everything plays off that so he showed up and then also bill wyman um I don't think was a jazz bassist, but also just kind of had the same idea. So anyway, like classically so, trained kind of. Yeah. Yeah. More so than Keith. And so Mick. the, so the Rolling Stones sound, which it, you hear a lot once you like, once someone says it, um, yeah. is basically that the rhythm guitar starts the song and establishes the rhythm and then the drummer uh-huh. comes in after him and then the bass player comes in after him instead of like starting with the drum and bass line and then having the guitar come in later. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just very interesting. And like once I read that and have been listening to the Stones more, you realize it comes up a lot, like from yeah. huge hits like Jumpin' Jack Flash and stuff um, to, you know, just random blues covers that they do. Right. where it's really noticeable once you hear it put that way that they kind of have that backwards start to the songs mm-hmm. where yeah the guitar huh. is leading everyone that is interesting in. i'm gonna have yeah. to yeah listen for that so let's talk brian jones pj let's talk brian jones i Ooh. will oh go ahead uh brian jones is very interesting to me because he was like one of the essential members of the Rolling Stones if you were alive in the 60s. However, mm-hmm. if you know the Stones now, he's not that big of a thing, you know? Um, yeah. But there's a scene in Mad Men uh, <laughs> where uh, Don is like backstage at a yep. Rolling Stones concert and he's mm-hmm. talking to this hippie chick and she's like, Brian Jones is a troubadour. And (laughs) that annoyed me so much (laughs) when I saw that episode because I was like, he's not even like the main dude in the, like, you can't call him a troubadour. He is not a troop, like, and I was like, somebody who is not particularly familiar with the Rolling Stones wrote that scene. Well, that's interesting you say that because I, so I as well had a weird Brian Jones blind spot because I was aware he was in the band, but, um, you know, when basically their most famous iteration were the four years after he was dead, it's hard to like, you, you just don't pay attention to him that much unless you're exactly a big fan or doing what we're doing and going back through their history. Um, and so I also always kind of thought of him as a just a, a less consequential member compared to the Mix and Keiths of the world. Right. Uh, but sort of like Pink Floyd 
and Sid Barrett, like Brian Jones was basically the entire reason the Rolling Stones existed up until he died. And then weirdly, just like with Pink Floyd, the band became way more popular after he died. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and have like all their best known material from then, but like they would not at all have gotten to that point. Yeah. Without him. And I was honestly pretty, like I knew Brian Jones was supposed to be a really good musician, but I was unaware of the idea that he was like, he was the, he was their, uh, Brian Wilson until he died in terms of like being the whole thing that made the band something actually special and, um, that popular um yeah which is interesting that is very interesting um like it's not you know yeah i think it actually is a good beach boys comparison um that's like well and that it's similar to the beatles uh like when they went to germany they had uh stuart sutcliffe who was the reason mm -hmm. they were like a band and then he quit and they started to like play the Cavern Club and like get really famous and then they kicked mm-hmm. Pete Best out of the band and got yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, but the difference with them to me is that like that was all kind of as they were just forming. Yeah, that wasn't the height of their and career. And then once they started like I mean obviously John and Paul started out as the the main two guys, but like Right. They were much more on equal footing. As opposed yeah, to, you're right. like, you're definitely I think, right. definitely with the Beach Boys, where they, they just would not have been more than a fad band, a fad surf band, it, with a, if not for Brian. Right. And then with the Stones, too, I'm, I'm learning. Uh, without Brian. Would not have been more than, like, yeah, kind of a crappy blues cover band without Brian Jones. Right. For many reasons. First of all, he was by far the best musician i mean aside from maybe charlie watts he was definitely the best musician in terms of really and mick and bill yeah you think you think better than keith because keith at the time keith richard okay because like hearing him do there was like an interview he was doing he was just playing this old beat up like nylon guitar and he's like a fucking phenomenal guitarist yeah yeah he so brian had been like i mean if you remember from last week he was in that alexis corner blues incorporated band right he'd already been in that band for like two years by the time the stones had gotten together and showed up to like ask them to listen to their demo yeah so he was he was their same age about but he was like a seasoned vet already in the right he had the been London like music scene cutting his and teeth. so yeah so he was better at guitar he was better at harmonica he was better at al- almost every instrument than anyone else in the band right um okay and was not a songwriter but just knew everything and knew the the scene as well you know they Mm -hmm. were these kids from the suburbs where he'd been living in london like playing music since he was like 18 i think by the time they showed up so okay um but what's also interesting about him is he he was a real john lennon turns out yeah just where a real asshole he was a real asshole he uh a lot you know lot of drinking lots of uh lots of partying lots of you know getting in fights outside clubs and shit um lots of he apparently 
He apparently basically became famous when he was 16 for knocking up a 15 year old, which mm. I guess counted as news in like 1959 in London. Yeah. Like it's straight up. There was apparently a story in the, in the newspaper about it. Hilarious. <laughs> that the author found. Yeah. Um, and he, I think got like three more people pregnant by the time he even was in the Rolling Stones. So, and you know, back before, at least I guess, in the circles he ran in before anyone was getting them aborted so yeah yeah a real real cool type um seems like a good dude yeah just laying pipe all over london like yeah by the time the rest of the band showed up and became you know and they all became the rolling stones like at that point he was the actual like cool guy who'd been doing it quote unquote for years already um for better and for worse but so but like here in their first couple of albums he's basically just their like super musician and so i something this made me think about that i have no idea and we talked a lot about on the beach boys about since all five of them shared vocal duties it was kind of a fun game to learn all their voices and figure out who was singing yeah. lead and all that. But I realized I've been listening to their first like two or three albums just through the lens of assuming Keith is playing everything. Oh, but yeah. Then, is he not? Like after yeah, learning all this, it's like, oh, Brian's probably because in this book, they talk about them touring a lot and that Brian was the lead guitarist the whole time. Huh. And so it's like now... I don't know enough about them and like places like Wikipedia don't have who's playing lead and rhythm on each track. Oh, that's annoying. I know. And so, but it just, it makes me very curious because I would like to know like whether their styles yeah. were noticeably different. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like specifically what's happening. Cause there's a lot of dual guitar going on, but right. And um, it's pretty, it's been pretty good on these first two albums. Like yeah. they're talented. And I, yeah. And I've that just might kind of just been be Brian Jones. Huh. Well, and the reason that they uh, wanted Brian in the band was because apparently because he was an amazing slide guitar player. Yeah. Oh, so he's doing himself, all the slide stuff. Yeah, had taught himself slide guitar, so he's definitely huh. playing the slide stuff. But there's yeah. a lot of songs with no slide guitar, so then I don't right. know. The how slide he's stuff is the stuff exactly. I've been the most impressed with, honestly. Yeah. So that okay. was yeah. They first saw him when he just did a solo set playing slide guitar, and blew their blew their little brains out and uh how boring would that know. fucking be <laughs> i know right because he doesn't sing right it would just be a dude playing i mean i, mean, I, I assume he probably kind of say like those old blues songs you don't need to be a great you just yeah. kind of talk it and you're that's a you that's it. fair point so but i don't i don't want to see like a british i don't know yeah yeah if i saw somebody our age doing that i'd be like <laughs> fuck this guy but yes. like it only works if like you're genuinely an old black man and yeah. then it's like wow that guy kicks ass but like i don't yeah. want to see one dude with playing slide guitar and like singing old blues songs there's a little bit of talk about that too in the book about why yeah. like why these kids playing old blues songs basically was like as popular as it was yeah um 
especially like, I mean, the blues, the British blues, obviously by like 1969 became just a whole genre in and of itself. White yeah. British dudes playing, playing blues songs. But, but at that moment, like the blues were a thing, it seems like in certain scenes, but like globally it wasn't right. It's not like, yeah, cream were top in the charts. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, even, you know, all those early Beatles hits are not, particularly bluesy they're very much oh no songs they're like and so r&b kind well not even r&b it's like like ronette's style yeah yeah yeah. it's more it's just more kind of pop rock stuff really yeah exactly so um yeah part of it well so uh, this author attributes parts of it to that growing up in post-war london was very i mean the blues um like rung true to a lot of kids in london because just england was so deep in poverty for like a good 10 to 15 years after world war ii and like still rationed basic foods for a long time um and stuff like that and just you know you'd have like bombed out streets that hadn't been cleaned up in a decade kind of shit um so very much made people um what would it be called identify with the music in that way um and then yeah that's kind of it it's still Mm. a little weird to me honestly (laughs) like i I get it, but it's just this weird dichotomy from like when they're the little blues boys and there's like Alexis Corner's Blues Incorporated and just like there's this very kind of nerdy seeming attachment to the blues. Yeah. Where it's all these like 20 to 40 year old white dudes like trying to play note for note like Muddy Waters songs. Yeah. And then it's, it's like, like, how does that transfer to then being like this phenomenon? And I mean, I, I suppose it's sort of like, it, like it was just sort of a right place, right time thing. And then also, yeah, the Stones had just enough uniqueness between mix voice and the talent. I don't know, they're like the edgy kind of persona too. Yeah. Like they had just enough going on to propel it over the edge. But there's I mean, also a pretty interesting part where they talk about when they start going on tour in 64 both in the US and in the UK where they come, you know, like they're like, yes, we were famous then, but also we went from playing like in blues clubs to like other musicians to then playing like these theaters in Georgia or whatever, where it was just a bunch of screaming teenagers who didn't actually give a shit about the music anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, you know, they're fine. Right. (laughs) They'll figure it out. Uh, but you know, that kind of like they got, yeah, basically they got famous for being these real music nerds. And then as soon as they were famous, no one really gave a shit about the fact that they were really, really into this specific kind of music. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just a, it's a weird thing. They're a weird, it's a weird scene and a weird group. Yeah, Um, for sure. And you know, was just very early because it feels like at least from my somewhat limited knowledge of music it feels like electric 
blues like that wasn't like a global kind of phenomenon until like 68 maybe 67 68 69 like that time period is yeah. when i guess the yardbirds were like around before then but whatever yeah well in like i don't know it it that that's when like blues blues started to like kind of die out in the u.s like yeah. uh muddy waters and stuff where like couldn't find gigs because like chuck berry was so popular and so then yeah. he had to go to england and found like crazy success in england that's true that is good history that yeah that's a good point too yeah yeah it's a weird one it is a weird one for sure but it worked you know what it worked out for him in the end pj those yeah i wonder what happens to these guys i know I'm right? wondering that the whole time it's gonna be interesting to find out well we're almost so this week we're kind of finishing up 19 the year 1964 yeah uh they released their second album in the U.S., and uh, they released an EP in the U.K. And then we kind of we talked last week about their tour, yeah, in the U.S. Uh, that kind of ended in 1964. But we have some other kind of odds and ends here to cover from the U.S. So they had their second number one hit in the U.K. And then also in 64 released their first single with two originals on it, which kind of a big deal. Yeah. Although, you know, not sure if they're good originals, so don't know if it counts as a big deal, but whatever. What were the originals? Heart of Stone and What a Shame is the B-side on there. Okay. You want me to play Heart Uh, of Stone? Sure. Well, we prob- give Little Red Rooster a spin first. That was their second number one hit in the UK. Did not come okay. out in the US. Here's Little Red Rooster. I'm pretty sure I read that their US distributor just didn't think anyone would give a shit. So Yeah. I could see that. I am the Little Red Rooster. His voice is different than on the first album at this point. It makes me wonder whether he's just, you know, getting a little more comfortable in it or just after touring a lot or whether um, maybe they recorded in a different studio and stuff. It could be. Well, I I don't mean to spoil the album, but it is produced far better. It is. That's true. Yeah. This is fine. It's, I mean, it, it's it's not bad. It's not good. It's amazing to me this went to number one. I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't get those crazy grits. Yeah. Anyway, so then the other one's Heart of Stone. This one I kind of liked. It's fine. It's just different than their other stuff so far. Yeah, but I like, it's still the blues, and I have to say... I like the drums. I know it's only the second album. kind of getting bored of the blues already. Yeah, I get that. 
It's it's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's no uh, early Lennon McCartney, but yeah, no. They're I trying. Mean, they're doing their best. Yeah. That's all. That's all they can do at this point. Basically. You can't. You can't always be the Beatles, you know. No. It's fine. Yeah. So those singles came I mean, out, and then the, the guitar on it. I will say, whoever's playing it, pretty yeah. talented. I I yeah. really like the thin guitar tone that they have on this song. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, so it's probably time that we figure out what's going on with their albums. Okay. Because I think as I think we mentioned this at the end of last week's episode, it's a goddamn shit show. Yeah, it's 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 all over the place, man. So I just mentioned they had their second album out in the U.S., but not their second album out in the U.K. Okay, so as people kind of familiar with the era will know, there wasn't global releases. There were only uh, companies in every country that distributed your album. Yeah. So, like, the Beach Boys didn't get, I think, their albums distributed in Britain until, like, 65 or something. I'm pretty sure yeah. we talked about with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, um, Like, I think, if I remember correctly, was... I feel like Pet Sounds was maybe the first one released in Britain, and then people heard their back catalog after that or something. I could be. Regardless. Um, so, Decca was their UK label, and then London Records was the Stones' US distributor. And what's even weirder about the era not aside from the fact that they had to have different companies releasing their records is that they're the different companies got to release like whatever records they wanted basically yeah without so deca released albums on their schedule but london could also release albums on a different schedule and the stones were becoming very famous and so london basically through like 1966 just wanted any available stone song and at the moment it was ready to be released um so it makes for this weird split timeline where in the uk they kind of release an album a year ish the entire time and then have their uk singles out right the whole time and then in the u.s there's like two or three albums every year through 65 or 66 uh, that are just a weird mishmash of like, it's some songs that were on the UK album. It's a bunch of like unreleased B sides, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all the singles that never showed up on the UK albums. And they'll do weird things where like they'll have the same album, like uh, with Aftermath, for example. Yeah. It's the like same album, I think same like album cover and everything released in both countries, but then in the US for some reason they replace like four of the songs for I don't know why. For no so, reason. Yeah. So it just makes for a very weird timeline. Um but so the US albums like kind of are just weird compilations most of the time. Um while like the stones focused more on making the UK ones more like real albums, quote unquote. Um, but 
there's just not a like for like comparison even on albums that are named the same thing with the same album covers between all the albums so it's weird it's going to be an interesting one to go through because like yeah when you get to albums like an aftermath where if you log on to some rolling stones forums you're going to like you're going to get a pretty 50 50 split on people who think the u.s version or the uk version is like the definitive version yeah of of an album by them and so it's going to be weird going through and listening and trying to get into the band when you don't know which album you should be spending all your time with like which right. version um so anyway but today we're going to talk about 12 by 5 which, which is their second u.s album never appeared in the uk but 12 by is 5 considered is like by a many famous album stone cold classic yeah yeah absolutely yeah. like it is I, a I, famous rolling stones album on it in its own right yeah and you not being super familiar with like rolling stones stuff like their background Mm -hmm. you wanted to lump this in with another album and i had to tell you no 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 no. 12 by 5 is a very important album yeah that's again the hard thing about their discography is when you don't know them as well you don't know you can yeah yeah, you can be like oh 12 by 5 is probably the same ish album as the rolling stones number two i think is what their second album in the uk was and it's Um, not like i think number two has two of the same tracks on it but is mostly a totally right. different thing. But it's very different. Um, yeah. Yeah, so 12 by 5 came out in October 64 uh, while they were touring in America. Um, it's a expansion of, they had an EP in the UK called 5 by 5 that was the five songs they recorded at Chess Records. Mm-hmm. Um, that was released as a little EP. And so they expanded it to 12 by 5, and it's all just so punny, PJ. It's all so Is funny. Because it? it's five songs and yeah. five band members. So like five, oh. five, five, huh. get it? Yeah. And then 12, that... five, because it's, it's still five band members, but then it's 12 songs. 12 songs. But then it's also a 12-inch LP. It's just... And, there's too many and layers to really fully also, appreciate it. Also, 12 times 5 is 60? Which is nine and, short of their favorite number. Yeah, and also how old they all are. Oh, yeah, you're right. They were all yeah. 60 years old. Yeah. And the year, 1960. Man, whoa. Yep, I know. These these guys this, knew what they were doing. This is a real onion of a joke. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so 5x5, five five, um, one interesting note about 5x5, five five, the EP version, uh, is that there's this rock critic I found reference to um, lists it as the first and last great EP in British rock history, which I kind of want to see that competition. Yeah. I mean, it has to be this I'm, one and then up until I, the 90s and it's like blur? I don't yeah, know. I don't know of any Oasis? other British yeah. rock EPs. So cool, man. Um, he might be right. <laughs> and then... Uh, Another rock critic, Robert Criscow, who I don't know if you know, but I read him a lot. Yeah. Or, like, visit his shitty old website a lot. Um, right. And he lists 12 by 5 as an essential record of the 60s, so. Yeah. It's good. Uh, you know, yeah, backing up its status as a a classic, even though, yeah, it's, like, it's just weird coming from someone who knows the, uh, like, the Beatles, where their U.S. albums yeah. are generally just not worth listening to. 
the idea that a U.S. only kind of compilation, quote unquote, release would be like an essential album is yeah well, hard to wrap your head around. It, it is a very impressive. Uh, uh, you know what? We'll get into that at the end, actually. Hmm. So it got to number three on the U.S. album charts, which I think higher yeah. than their debut. I can double check that real quick, but I think it's higher yes. on the charts than uh, in I believe the so. U.S. at least. Yeah. Um. You mean yeah. 12 by 5 did better than England's newest hit makers? Yeah. That only went to number 11. So, um, Yeah. Do you want to get into it? I do. I really do. Let's this go track. Okay. So one of we'll my ahead. favorite songs by the Rolling Stones on it. I agree, but we will see if we agree on which song that is. All right. We're going to start right. off with Around and Around. I said the joint was rocking. A new Chuck Berry song for me. Yeah, it's uh, this one. Um, really interesting. Well, I mean, all Chuck Berry songs are. He has he's got two songs that he just changes the words to. Um, right. But um, I really like Mick's voice on this one. Yeah. Like this is when he's like finding his like, you know, jaggeriness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I really like the guitar Ooh. lines on it. I like the piano. Like, that boogie woogie piano. The boogie too, woogie yeah. piano. Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, but both the both the guitar lines are great. Yeah. Or all of the guitar licks on this. Yeah. And I like this riff too. Like, it's just all fantastic. Yeah, this to me is like. Um, I mean, this is more R and B than blues, but. Yeah. This like this specific version of like a song of this like I I won't get tired of this song. Yeah. I think it's really good stuff, but yeah. <laughs> Round and Around is great. Yeah. Right. I'm not sure that there's much I think the guitar solo changes up a little bit towards the end, but Yeah. It could know. be. Alright. Confessing the blues. Whoop. I like that they oh, had to just harmonic. get a song in where they where they talk about the blues. Not my favorite song in the world. I don't think I have anything to say about it except that it's no. a blues song. It's not interesting. However, I w- actually one thing I will say: once again, the piano is killing it, and that's a member that never got to be a member, right? Stewart. Oh yeah. So in the book too, they mention they talk about the Ian Stewart thing. Yeah. Um. So he was he was a lot older, and just basically, oh, okay. so he apparently he got kicked out by when Lug showed up. Um. <laughs> as part of him remaking their image and he basically just showed up and was first of all he was like six members is too many we need to cut it yeah. down right and stewart was the guy he just didn't fit with the look like when okay. all six of them stood together he was like the one that stood out at least to luke so interesting he was the one who got kicked out and uh yeah like the the book goes out of its way to mention that uh, despite the fact that he played for them his entire you know life basically 
Yeah. He never really got over it, and the other members never really got over it either. Like, you know, felt huh. guilty the whole time. Yeah. When you're 20 and you are given a shot at fame and you take it to, despite kicking your best friend out of the band, basically, it's or one of your friends, it's yeah, it's a raw I deal, mean, man. It is pretty shitty. I yeah. do like that none of the Beatles feel bad about kicking Pete Best out. They're just like, he fucking sucked. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing is, it's like, yeah, if Stewart, if Ian Stewart like wasn't that good, or if yeah. like you know something like that, but it's like not only was he really really good they didn't want to be a band without him yeah and like he apparently in the early days drove their van so they also had to like keep him around for that so it's like they needed him and they yeah. still kicked him out and he still took it and just like silently shouldered that shitty burden yeah that's rough it's pretty rough yeah because he's good yeah um can we go to the next one we can <laughs> empty heart Oh, I was going to look up Confessing the Blues is a cover. This is different than the rest of them. Oh, this is one credited to the whole band again. Okay. And yes, different from Heart of Stone. Exactly. It's fine. It's fine. I like that they're doing something that's not just 12-bar blues. Yeah. Still bluesy, but they're switching it up. That's yeah. this whole album basically is it's it's all blues adjacent. Yeah. But they switch it up just enough to make it, in my mind, more listenable than the first one, because it's not just yeah, twelve bar blues over and over again. Honestly, if if um if the vocals were different on this, I think it'd be an amazing song. Like if he sang it differently somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, cause I think the, the, the music on it is fine. Yeah. Time is on okay, my side. To my, you know, uneducated stones yeah. uh, mind, it's kind of, it's the first song we've heard so far that I consider like a classic Rolling Stones song. It's a phenomenal song. Um, it is. The, the one thing I have to say about it is, um, what happened? Oh, my thing came unplugged. Oh, no. Um, the one thing I have to say about it is I do think that... They are bad at harmonies. <laughs> I think they think harmonies are really cool, yeah. but they're not the best at it. Well, I don't think it helps that it doesn't seem as though anyone else is that great of a singer, and even no. Mick's not like a good singer in a traditional right. way. So he just has he has got a yeah. like voice for what he does. But right. like, I'm pretty sure it's Brian Jones who like probably on some of the times it just sounds like he's going time. Yeah. Well, that'll come up, um, I think, in a different song. I'm trying to remember what song it is. Yeah. I had that thought about two songs on this album. Yeah, there's another song. It's either later on this album or it was on their first album where they do gang vocals that make me laugh listening to it because they just sound so bored and uninterested when they're, like, doing the, the chanting vocals in the background. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. You want to go to the next one? Yeah, this is uh, fantastic. 
It's a great song. Yeah. Pretty perfect. Good times, bad times. Yeah, what are we listening to? Led Zeppelin, PJ? Right? And they even have a 12 string? Here's that slide guitar. Yeah. I really don't like this song, but the guitar is excellent. I really do like this song. Oh, okay. However, I think the lyrics are absolute garbage. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a Mick and Keith original, so... Yeah. What do you expect? No, I... And, like... I didn't really pay attention to the vocals, but... The, all of the music on it, like, them playing is good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, but this is, yeah, I think a phenomenal song. All right. You don't love it? No, I don't. As much as I don't like traditional blues, or, like, yeah. standard blues, I definitely don't like traditional acoustic blues, man. Uh, see, I think I it's... Say. I like it. Again, Mostly like, the guitar like, is really well. I love the guitar yes. tone, too. It sounds like the strings yeah. are, like, so loose. I don't even know how they, yeah. you know, did that. But See, I I really like just everything on the song. Like, I think the guitar tone's good. I wish yeah. the lyrics were better, but, you know, you can't no. get everything. You just hate that there's, like, two minutes of harmonica. Well, it doesn't help. So Keith and Brian are the only people credited with backing vocals on this record, so it has to okay. be them singing the harmonies. I was kind of yeah. wondering if like a Ian Stewart or Bill Wyman would sing. Oh no, right. Bill is credited with backing vocals, so. Okay. But unclear on who's singing specifically on Time's On The Side. I love that like 12 string that they're playing. I think it sounds so yeah. good. It's really good. It's all good. I like this song. Um, the song "Time Is On My Side"'s Wikipedia page, yeah, credits Keith, Brian, and Bill for with backing vocals. Okay, well they're not great at it. <laughs> all right, next I could, song. I could do without the hmms at the end. All right, <laughs> it's all over now, which is one of the best songs of all time. Yes, I love this song so much. Now, and it's produced so well. Is it just me, or does this sound like a song? It sounds like the Beatles to me. Because it, it's it kind of got that like, sound like country this, yeah. tinge to it that sounds yeah. very early Beatles to me. I could hear that. It certainly doesn't sound like this era of the Rolling Stones. It sounds like no. It sounds like it could be like 1970 Rolling Stones. Yes, yeah. but it's so good. It is. I love the bass. I love all the guitar licks happening in the background. I, uh, when I used to DJ, I would put this song on anytime I got broken up with. Oh, that's <laughs> cute. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it happened a lot. Um, yeah. So, and just uh, goes to show for me that I, I'm loving the Rolling Stones when they just break it up a little bit and go away from from that blues. electric blues thing. Yeah. I mean, like, it's this song's pretty bluesy, but. With, like,. When they divert from in the early days, when they divert from surf and car songs, it's pretty right. good. Yeah, true. That's a good point. It's just like a matter of like I don't know, finding a voice, yeah. and then 
not trying to alienate the people who are listening to your records, you know? Is it just me, or is this guitar solo not very good? It's not very good, but it works. And it doesn't the fit song, the song so. at all. Oh, I think it doesn't fit the song at all. I think it doesn't, but it also works. I don't know. I just feel like they cut this solo out of a different song and put it in here. I mean, that truly could be, but... Because it, it just sounds... It's a much more of a blues solo than I feel like should be with this song. Yeah. I mean, they were all, all about the blues. <laughs> the blues boys. Uh, the end of this song, too, is a good example of something that I think the Stones do incredibly well, which is the Rolling Stones... Later, it's, it's more due to, like, the cool tones they get on their guitar and stuff, but... They kind of start the rock and roll thing of just a chord being, like, super powerful on its own, aside from a riff. Mm -hmm. And the end of this song is a really good early example of that, where, like, I assume Keith just plays, like, a really big, loud chord over the ending, and it's, like, much cooler than any blues riff they could have played. Right. Well, because up until this point, it's been, like, beetle-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-
Yeah. I've heard of it. I have not listened to it. I have it on vinyl. Um, of course he does a cover of this song, and it is horrendous. I'm sure. It's truly the worst thing I've ever heard. But oh, this, this is, is good. the song where their backing vocals just sound like they're really yeah. bored. It's pretty yeah. Good. Let's get a... This does feel like a song they would have been like forced to play. Yeah. Like a contractually obligated. Yeah, yeah. Because they just sound so uninterested. But... No, but truly, I, I I thought I would hate this, and I I liked it a lot. Me too. Yeah, they do sound bored. Yeah. All right. Get to congratulations. Another Mick and Keith original. left the room so this is the point in the podcast where I'm just going to talk shit about him um, he's too tall I don't care for it he's, he's, he's so tall it just makes me a little bit uncomfortable how tall he is and lanky and uh, you know I just don't know how much I trust that I never I never trust two things in this life people who are too tall and mimes I just don't hey Pete we're, I was just talking about uh, this song and how it sounds like every slow dance song in a movie that is set in the 50s. <laughs> yes, I cannot disagree with you, but I kind of like it. I don't... I mean, it's very it's, similar to It's certainly to me. not my favorite. No. But I, I, I don't mind it. It's very similar to me to their original on their last album, where like I like the acoustic guitar, and it's uh, it's just not bad. It sounds very of its time. It sounds like the kind of song they yeah. would write in 1964 when they were told to write a song. Right. But yeah, it's not bad. It, I I do like the acoustic guitar on a lot. I don't. I I mean I think it's a fine song and a good break from the blues. Yeah. Too. I agree. Grown Up Wrong. Hey, another original, and I fucking hated this song. Yeah. Well, and especially after, like, three or four bangers in a row. Right. Having this one. I mean, there's just yeah. nothing happening. No. And in the background, once again, the background vocals are them just kind of yelling. Like, oh. it doesn't even sing like they're singing, like, in any tone at all. No, it's not very good. This must if be an example of one of those ones that they didn't want to release, but yeah. London really wanted us on. So. If you need me, is uh, I kind of like this one. It's solid, yeah. It's a solid. Um, I like. Uh, we just missed it, but. Uh, I, I like when he goes down, I'll be there. It's very, like, late Mick, like, more modern Mick. Um, 
Also, the way he says call, like, there's a part where if you call me, it's cool. I liked it. You know, that makes me think every time. Um, of a song that I literally can't name. So that's. Yeah. How does it go? We should pause the backing music so that this is easier to cut out. But it's some song that now, God damn it, what song is it? But it it's exactly that tune where it's like I'll be there, and or it like I'll goes really low, there. and then it comes back up though. The only thing I can remember is in the morning time. Oh, it's a Leon Bridges song, so it probably is like an old oh. R and B cover. Yeah, actually, yeah, I like Leon Bridges. I do too. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I mean, it's a '50s R&B cover, but yeah. it's solid. It, you know what? It's kind of like um, that one section in um, um, "Happiness Is a Warm Gun." Yeah, yeah. Put your finger on my trigger. That part. <laughs> All right, Su- Susie Q. It's fine. Some more it's, nice hand claps for you. Yeah. I do like the hand claps. However, I mean, if you've heard the Credence version of this, then it's, right. you know. This one's, I mean, yeah, yeah. there's in multiple versions of this that are much yeah. better. So. This one pales in comparison. Yeah. Yeah, his voice doesn't fit the song at all, in my opinion. I feel like it could. It's just not But not, not here. Yeah. This feels like one they could really kill in like the mid seventies, yeah. maybe. Oh, once they're yeah. a little once they're more assured. Like it could be a good live song where they just jam for like ten minutes and see. I would enjoy that, but like yeah. they did, there was they had no reason to put it on an album. It's not. Yeah. It's not good. yeah. So that's a twelve by five. That is twelve by five. Yes. Yeah. Big step up, I would say. I, I would say so. it is it is an impressive sophomore uh yeah uh what do they say in the fucking Release. Rolling Stone all the time sophomore uh oh I don't know effort effort that's <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah it uh, is yeah it's it's a really good second album it does all the things a second album should which is it still sounds like them but they sound a little bit more comfortable in themselves and branch out yeah just and they're kind of changing it, yeah. Yeah, it makes you realize they can be more than just a blues cover band. So exactly, yeah, but it's yeah. it's good. Like starting to sound, you know, like the Rolling Stones, which is kind yeah. of amazing. Because after that first album, I was wondering if it was going to be a while. How long it was gonna? Yeah. See, I knew no. um, it's all over now was on this album, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. they do that quick. Yeah. Do you? Do you have thoughts on 12 by 5, PJ? I think, like I said before, it, it is a very impressive second album. You can see where they're headed and where they've been. And uh, it has quite a few songs that I genuinely enjoy on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, a couple. Like, I I would go back and listen to the good ones on this album. Um but like all the stuff that sounds like their first album, I'm probably not going to go back and listen to. Right. But yeah, all of the stuff yeah. that's new and that I like, I'll go back and listen to for sure. 
Yeah, it's definitely salt. Like, it almost has enough songs to make it worth listening to the whole thing, even with yeah. some songs I don't like. But if there was one more, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I uh, yeah. I probably at the end of the day really only like around and around. Time is on my side, and it's all over now. Oh, to be really on. like the rest of them are solid, but like. You didn't like Under the Boardwalk? They're kind of just album tracks. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Do you want to give it a rating? I do want to give it a rating. I'm curious as to what you'll say. You want me to go um, first? I, I do want you to go first. I can't decide between a three and a four out of ten. <sighs> give it a four. It feels high, but I'll give it a four. I'll okay. give it a four. Like I said, like on at the end of the day, man, I really only like those three. And I could do without around and around. Yeah. So it's like so, there's really only and the two songs are incredible, but as an album, it's just not. It's my my. I enjoyed listening it to it, but will I come back to it? I doubt it. There are albums I would call a six or a seven out of ten that yeah. I would uh, listen to less songs on. That I like less of the songs that yeah. I like these ones. I'm not going to give this a six or a seven, mind you. Do you think? But, is that like there's a little more cohesiveness happening? Because like there can be albums yeah. where, yeah, if you pick specific tracks out of a certain album, I won't really like them on their own, but like they work in an album context. Right. That doesn't really apply here, I think, both because no. it literally was just a collection of songs that were available to London, but also just yeah. a lot of albums in the early 60s like this were not made for that to kind of listen listening. as an album. Yeah. So, um, like, I hear you where, like, I could give an 8 out of 10 to an album where I don't specifically love any songs enough to, like, put on a playlist or something. Yeah. But to me, this is this is different than that. It It is different, but, but keeping that in mind, I do think this was a completely average album. Like, if you love <laughs> weir- weird old blues, yeah. um, then it's it's for you. But if you just like the songs that we liked... It's a really good album. So I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. I was going to say 6, but I think it is just middle of the road. Um, We don't know where we're going yet. We haven't listened to their best. Yeah, it's hard to not be like, well, there's going to probably be 10s in like four years. So it's hard to not judge it against that in your head. But, you know, yeah, just on its own. I did enjoy listening to it, but if we weren't doing this podcast, I, I. probably wouldn't have stuck around as long as it did this week you know on my rotation yeah Yeah. so but all right i I do like it yeah but hey i we like doubled our you know scores from the first album that's that's true which is which is impressive it is it is man they they got good (laughs) so i think i think that's it that's that's all of 1964 for the rolling stones although i will caveat with um I haven't gotten through 1964 in that book yet, so next episode we might hear some yeah. stories if if anything interesting comes up while yeah. I'm reading. But um, cool. yeah, and now we get to 1965 next uh, episode, which I think they have five distinct albums out in. So mm-hmm. I think they have three U.S. albums and two U.K. albums, all of which are different enough. <laughs> they merit yeah. different discussions, so... It's going to be okay, interesting. That's going to be an interesting, interesting year to dig through. I don't know how we're going to handle it in terms of episodes, but 
you know, Peter, um, the thing is, it's our show, and we don't really have to handle it uh, well. We can do whatever the fuck no. we want. We didn't even do one of the Beach Boys albums. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I uh, Yeah, I almost wonder if we should handle it kind of like we did the Beach Boys, where like... In their early years, we we kind of grouped the years together, yeah. no matter how many albums. But mm-hmm. the thing I is, their albums are more interesting than like this. Yeah, the entire Beach Boys album... feel like they're easier to just listen to once, and you get the idea. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Whereas it feels like you're giving the Rolling Stones maybe a a short, the short end of the stick if you only listen to like out of our heads, you know, one right. time to talk about it. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll we'll have to just kind of figure out what happens. Yeah, but yeah, it's so. been it's been something. PJ, a wi- the wild ride of nineteen sixty four is over, and uh, <sighs> yeah, I miss it already. I know we're getting into you know some people say that the sixties didn't really start PJ until after the Rolling Stones had two albums out. Yeah, so. We're about to start the real 1960s. Yeah. Next episode. My, my high school woodshop teacher always said that. Everyone talked about it. It started yeah. when they released their first two al- after they released their first two albums, and it ended yeah. after that guy got stabbed at their concert. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, they really are the beginning and the end of all things 1960s. Yeah. The Stones. Yeah, exactly. Well, and my, my high school woodshop teacher was the guy who got stabbed at that concert. So. <laughs> did not die wow just changed his name and moved to montana <laughs> exactly <laughs> to yeah become a wood shop teacher started in, started shopping wood that's incredible wait oh no he isn't the guy were there two stabbings <laughs> at altamont no yeah he didn't get stabbed by the hell's angels he got stabbed oh. behind the stage by his wife yeah. gotcha yeah totally different yeah. thing yeah exactly Un- yeah. unrelated to the concert entirely actually but but they he were did just say, walking past on their way home yeah he did say out loud um <laughs> Man, this has really ruined my sixties. And then yeah. you know, yeah. And then, you know, Mick Mick and the boys heard it and they were like, shit, I guess it's over. It's all over now. Yeah. And then they got yeah. in their helicopter and flew away. Yeah. Uh oh Gorgeous. to be young in the sixties again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Peach. Well, I'll catch you. I we need to uh, we're a... just dropping the ball here, man. We don't have yeah. songs for our segments. We don't. We don't have, aside from our intro, we don't have anything clever to say. Like, I can't tell you to catch that wave. That's true. Yeah. We got to make it bluesy. Yeah. I'll catch you on the flip side of that stone rolling away. Boo. Yeah. Hey, wait, yeah, Peter, will you, say that, will you say that again? No. <laughs> okay. No. I'm just going to stick with, uh, see you on the other side of that wave, PJ. This has been the Rolling Stone Studs. A Beach Boys Boys production. Just so you're aware. There you go. All right. Oh, you know what? We should have been doing that over the song. We just That's forgot how to podcast. Yeah. That's We're getting back in. Yeah. Na, 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 na.